Hi folks, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I explore a different topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. I'm your host, Jess Romola, a registered dietitian, dietitian supervisor, and owner of Empowering Dietitians, where I help burnt out and unhappy dietitians opt out of hustle culture and reclaim their passion and purpose as a human first and dietitian second. After all, we are all more than dietitians. First, my standard reminder. I'm currently on maternity leave, and that means that I'm replacing my usual brand new episodes with a look back at the archives, dedicating each month, January through April, to a different season of the show. This month, I'm highlighting some of the most popular episodes of season two. And today, specifically, I'm re-airing episode 37, CDR's Misuse Policy and How RDs Use Their Credential, originally titled, Should RDs Be Able to Use Their Credential However They Want? I will say, this is a decidedly U.S.-focused episode as it discusses the CDR, the Academy, and our credential of RD. This may not be very applicable to dietitians living in other countries, but of course, you're welcome to listen out of curiosity. In this episode, I really dive into ethics around credential use and misuse, and advocating for change when a national organization has ruptured our trust. A few updates before we dive in. First, this episode is all about a big debacle that went down back in 2021, in which CDR started sending cease and desist letters to register dietitians using the RD or RDN credential in their business name. It sparked a huge controversy and a lot of confusion that I can say with more hindsight and confidence at this point seems to have died down slightly. The policy is tamer now than it was originally, with dietitians allowed to use the RD or RDN credential in their website, business name, and the like, as long as it's in reference to their first and last name. I give this example in the episode and it holds up to this day. I could, for example, create a website at jessicaromolard.com, but I could not change empowering dietitians to empowering RDs. And in this episode, I talk through the pros and cons of this type of policy. I also am pretty critical of the Academy and CDR overall in this episode, referencing licensure concerns, trust, and also the extent to which these organizations do and often don't represent my values and best interests as a practicing clinician. Now, there have been some developments here too. The former CEO mentioned in this episode has been replaced by a woman named Wylisha Wiggs-Harris, who I had the pleasure of meeting in a virtual town hall a few months back. She was specifically hired to turn the organization around. She spent the vast majority of the town hall listening rather than speaking. She acknowledged the ruptured trust in the organization, and she expressed a commitment to repairing it over time. It is still too early to say if some of the concerns I've raised in this episode, as well as others, are addressed by the new leadership, but I'm keeping my eye on the Academy with peaked interest, and I encourage you to do the same. So with all of that being said, this episode may not be as front of mind as it was back when the controversy was fresh for us in 2021, but it is a policy that all U.S. practicing dietitians should be aware of, and it also raises important questions and points about the integrity of the profession overall. 
So I think it's aged pretty well, all things considered. Enjoy. For anyone who hasn't been following along on the Facebook groups, there's been a recent upheaval about a policy by CDR about appropriate use and misuse of our credentials. I'm honestly hesitant to make a podcast about this because I'm concerned that by the time I record and publish this, new developments will have occurred and half of it will be irrelevant. In fact, the day after I outlined the first draft of this, the CDR revised the policy and I had to go back in and edit everything. So I'll do my best to keep this podcast evergreen and then perhaps add a little addendum before publishing this if anything big changes. Okay, so the policy. Basically, the Academy has trademarked our credentials. Registered dietitian, registered dietitian nutritionist, RD, and RDN. DTRs and NDTRs are also trademarked. So we need to go over a few things today. Number one, what does the trademark mean and how does it impact us? Number two, what are the concerns being raised about use and misuse of the title? And three, does the Academy have precedent for trademarking a credential in the first place? We'll also be talking about licensure, which is tied up in all of this as well. First, of course, I need to give a disclaimer. Clearly, I'm not a lawyer. I have not consulted a lawyer on this either, at least not at this time. If you have concerns after listening to this episode, I highly encourage you to sit down with a lawyer for more clarity and for more individualized advice. I will share with you everything that I know up to this point, but I'm not qualified to give definite answers or individualized guidance. Okay, so what does this trademark mean? Basically, it is meant to protect the integrity and appropriate use of the credential. Some random Jane Doe off the street can't legally include RD, RDN, etc. in her business name, product name, domain name, email address, or it appears her logo either. This is a good thing because we don't want random non-RDs impersonating us and misleading the public. It also prevents other organizations from, say, using the phrase registered dietitian as an award for completing some lower-tiered nutrition certification that isn't associated with the same educational hoops that we as RDs have to jump through to earn our title. Again, that's good for the most part. Now, if you read the original article from 1989, which is when this policy came about in also the year that I was born, by the way, little random fact. Um, but that's how far back this goes. They cite concerns about not having control of the integrity of the products and businesses using the RD credential in their names. So say my business was actually empowering RDs instead of empowering dietitians. Now, what if I'm spouting total nonsense and telling dietitians to, I don't know, disregard all evidence-based advice and start hawking Herbalife to their clients? If anyone from CDR is listening to this podcast, I can assure you I'm not doing anything of the sort. 
But the fear in this hypothetical situation is that I'm this practitioner who is branding my business to align myself with the RD credential and therefore associate me with the academy, but I'm actually giving out really problematic advice and it reflects poorly on the academy and the profession and the credential. We're going to dig more into this in in a little bit, but that was the argument made in 1989. They didn't want products and businesses that they didn't personally endorse branding themselves with the credentials. In the 1989 journal article, you can write to Patricia Babjack, the uh, current CEO that I've mentioned before, who is not a dietitian and has been with the organization since the 1970s. Because interestingly enough, Babjack was the director of credentialing at the time that this policy was implemented back in 1989. Anyway, You could write to her and ask for permission to use these credentials in your business or product name. So where does that leave us now in the 21st century? The policy is still in place, only now, not only has it been updated, naturally, we would expect it to be, we would hope that it would be, but so has the way that the world operates. The internet which wasn't widespread in people's homes until the 90s onward, is now an integral part of owning a business. What's more, dietitian entrepreneurship has boomed and more dietitians than ever before own their own businesses, whether that be private practice or otherwise. We have to worry about things like SEO, online marketing and networking, social media handles, and more. What we choose to name our business our website, our social media profiles, and how we design our logos, all of these things matter much more than they did 30 years ago. But the policy not only still exists, it has actually become more stringent. It now appears that we cannot even get permission to use these titles. What's more, the policy is relatively obscure and hard to locate, you would think that something as important as this would be made very clear to us in school. You know, kind of how they drill it into our heads that we need to spell dietitian with a T instead of a C, which is a whole political history behind it, by the way, if you didn't know, and is completely arbitrary. Or it would at least be something that would be made explicitly clear when we passed the exam and obtained the credentials. Instead, many dietitians found out about this because they received cease and desist orders from the academy, giving them weeks to comply before facing legal action. Again, I understand wanting to ensure that non-credentialed professionals are not using our titles inappropriately. File lawsuits against them. Go for it. But when many of us emailed CDR asking why dietitians themselves are the targets of these legal actions. The canned response is that, quote unquote, it is essential to protecting our profession. Protecting us from ourselves? It's worrisome to say the least. Now, if we go back to the argument from the 1989 article, protecting the integrity of the title, I get it in theory, but in practice, it still doesn't sit well with me. So you're granting me the title of registered dietitian. I jumped through all the hoops. I paid all the money. I passed the exam. I practice with integrity, 
and I exceed my continuing education requirements every cycle. I might be a bit of a pot stirrer, but I practice ethically and appropriately. And you're allowing me to use the trademarked credential after my name and in my about me section on my website. But let's pretend there's another dietitian out there, Dietitian Jane. Sorry in advance to all of my wonderful dietitians listening named Jane. Again, CDR, if you're listening, this is a made-up example. Let's pretend this fictional dietitian Jane is not practicing appropriately. Let's say she's practicing absolute garbage, peddling non-evidence-based practice and questionable diet products that have been shown to be dangerous and harmful. Fictional dietitian Jane is sullying the profession, whether she puts RD in her website URL or hides it in her About Me section. She is still a registered dietitian practicing unethically. So I'm not really sure why it matters whether the RD is listed in the business name or next to Jane's name, because it still likely violates the shoddy code of ethics we have as a profession. And she still is likely in jeopardy of losing that credential. If you're a dietitian practicing ethically and appropriately, then it shouldn't matter where that credential is listed as long as the credential is actively held and paid for and maintained because you're practicing ethically and appropriately. And if you're a dietitian practicing unethically and inappropriately, then again, it shouldn't matter where the credential is listed. It's still wrong and a problem because it's the practice that's the problem, not where or how the credential is displayed. That's my non-lawyer take on it anyway. I'm also not sure how forcing us to conceal our credentials helps further the Academy's mission to bring awareness to the profession. It would seem like, again, as long as we're practicing ethically and appropriately, that using the credentials more so people know what those credentials mean would only improve our reputation in the community. If we have to relegate our credentials to obscure parts of our websites, then how do we get to promote how cool dietitians are? I mean, don't get me wrong. I've always been of the mindset that we spend too much time trying to assert our dominance over other quote-unquote nutritionists by over-explaining the difference in our qualifications. It's not that it's not important. It's that a lot of people's eyes glaze over, particularly in the world of counseling, You know, not speaking to clinical jobs or, or other sectors. People care less about how many letters are after your name and more about whether or not they can relate to and trust you to help them. Also, simply holding a credential, even one with rigorous standards like the RD, doesn't automatically make a person good at their job or credible. Still, our credentials are important for a number of different reasons. We work hard for them and they represent the rigorous training we've gone through. And regardless of whether or not I found my nutrition clients personally to care whether I'm a dietitian or a nutritionist, many dietitians do care. And in states where licensure is particularly contentious, that credential is important. And what's more, regardless of what I think, the Academy says they care. They say that we should be telling everyone how amazing RDs are, how important they are, 
They talk nonstop about how one of their top goals is to promote us as professionals and elevate us. From their website, one of their founding principles is to, quote, amplify the contribution of nutrition and dietetics practitioners and expand workforce capacity and capability. Well, we can't do that so well if we have to hide who we are at every step of the way. So that part confuses me. I'm also not sure how attacking members of its own profession is productive at all. We are already facing opposition from every single person who eats food and therefore thinks they're a nutrition expert. And now we're facing an attack from the organization who says their job is to protect us. If we can't unify together and support one another, it's no wonder we have such a hard time uniting and presenting as a strong professional entity that other professions and communities can respect. If we're so busy pursuing legal action against one another, it's really no wonder we're stuck treading water or running in place with so many members of the profession frustrated and feeling in a rut. So yeah, that part confuses me too. And now the fact that it confuses me doesn't mean it's wrong. In fact, Everything that I've set up to this point, I outlined before the Academy issued an update to their policy or a clarification. So let me pause and recap a little. Originally, the way the policy read, dietitians could not include RD, RDN, registered dietitian, or registered dietitian nutritionist in any of their business names, domain names, product names, email addresses, or logos. So I could not have the URL jessicacertikoffrd.com. Not that I would want to because it would be a mouthful to spell, (laughs) but I wouldn't be allowed to. Now the revision they made after many dietitians emailed and called them up in arms about this was to say, we think actually we might be able to use our credentials in these places as long as they're in conjunction with our names. Now it's not clear because The first part of the policy contradicts this, but they do say some examples that include a dietitian's name with the RD. So for example, jessicacertikoffrd.com might now be acceptable, but empoweringrds.com would not. Again, there's still a lot of confusion and that's an issue. But if this is how the policy actually reads, if it's that we can use our name with the credential, but we can't necessarily use the credential in conjunction with a business name that doesn't have our name in it, I might not have a problem with that policy. After all, a credential is something that I was granted. It isn't a colloquial term. It's a certification that essentially is associated with a private organization and a certain set of standards. And it's one thing to announce, hey, I'm an RD, look what I can do for you. It's another thing to say, I'm going to use this trademarked phrase to trademark my own business, essentially. You may be arguing, well, we earned it and paid for it and continue to pay for it every year so we can do whatever we want with it. But that's not really how this stuff works. I could buy a dog. But if I treat it poorly, it doesn't matter that it's my property. It's still abuse. It's still wrong. And that dog can be taken away from me. 
It's an extreme example. As a less extreme example, I could also buy a DVD. And I can watch that DVD and I can talk about that DVD all I want. But if I start using that DVD as marketing material for my business, or I incorporate the DVD's title into my business name, that's generally not considered okay. We earn and pay for plenty of things in this world that we don't have exclusive rights and access to. Maybe your argument is that a credential is different. But let's take my intuitive eating certification credential as a third example. I earned it. I paid a lot of money for it. But if I'm caught using it in conjunction with promoting weight loss, I forfeit my right to it. They will take the certification away. Because simply earning and paying for something doesn't mean we can use it however we want to. It means we have to use it the way it was intended to be used. So the problem isn't really that we're not allowed to use the credentials RD or RDN unless it's accompanied by our names. The problem is that this policy isn't being communicated clearly to us. The fact that I've been a dietitian for seven years, almost eight, and this is the first time I'm hearing about it is unacceptable. There are plenty of dietitians who have established businesses and email addresses and websites and social media profiles for themselves, completely unaware that they were violating anything. If this is the policy, it needs to be clearly communicated early and often. Again, it was drilled into us that dietitian is spelled with a T, not a C. So why are we never taught about acceptable and unacceptable ways to use our credential once we earn it? Dietitians thrive on knowledge and understanding. If this is, in fact, necessary to protect us and the integrity of the title, then explain it to us. Don't give a one-sentence politically correct soundbite that is empty of meaning. We're dietitians. We like to understand the why behind something. We like to question things. The academy should know this about us. Don't dumb down the response. Treat us as equals and invite us into the conversation so we get it. I know dietitians jump to a fight quickly. I've seen it happen a lot, and I'm prone to it as well. We're passionate, so something sparks the fight in us, and we spring into action, guns blazing. It's actually one of our downfalls. We don't wait. Listen to the opposition, in quotes. Gather data, determine the best course of action. We want answers, and we want them now. So if you're feeling this right now, take a deep breath. Before signing a petition or venting on social media, let's think it through. That's what I hope this podcast episode will help you with. Because we may very well be wrong. See, there's a difference between registration, certification, and licensure. They mean different things. I'm not an expert in this, but it may actually be a very big discrepancy between dietitians' expectations and the reality of the state of our profession. Currently, yes, being registered is required to practice, but being registered is kind of an award that CDR chooses to grant us, almost like a certification, like I said before. We pass the exam and we become registered with them, which if I'm remembering my ethics and legal course from grad school correctly, registration is the least rigorous of the three titles. And kind of just means the CDR has a list of professionals granted this particular title. 
Yes, we had to jump through a lot of hoops to get onto that list. But in practice, we're treating it more like a license. A license is granted by the state or the government. Many of you listening probably have one. Here in New Jersey, we don't yet, but we will. Now, a registration is granted by a private entity. The Academy is a business. They are a corporation that brings in tens of millions of dollars a year. And they're going to do what it takes to protect their products. They have given us permission to use their products, in other words, the titles, but they remain their products. I'm wondering again, I'm not an expert in this, but I'm wondering if we're going about this wrong. See, in mental health counseling, there is no registration. Sure, there's the American Counseling Association, which is basically the academy, but for counselors, but they don't grant you any titles. The state grants you your license to practice. That's it. There's also uh, a national board for certified counselors, which you can optionally pursue if you want, and sometimes you need it for your state licensure, but it's not a requirement to practice in most states. So while a lot of dietitians are complaining about state licensure and all of the red tape that it creates, I feel like it might be better for us to pursue that over a title that's owned by a private business. A state-granted license, at least to my knowledge, is not and cannot be trademarked. Again, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it's definitely something that I've been mulling over and wondering. See, the steps to licensure are messy. And we have to see the end game if we're going to tolerate the frustration that the process involves. Yes, when we go about state licensure, practicing across state lines becomes challenging and expensive. Yes, a state license is one more expense to pay, and managing the associated continuing ed between your registration and your license probably takes some juggling. It also typically doesn't actually prevent others from practicing nutrition or encroaching on our scope of practice the way that it claims to, because there are a lot of loopholes. Historically, I was never in favor of licensure. It felt like a waste of time and money with very little payoff. Then I took grad classes about the history of the counseling profession. They went through this same process, only they're a little farther ahead than we are. Their argument was that it was so challenging to get national licensure passed that it made sense to go state by state. Now that all 50 states have licenses for mental health counselors, they're focusing their efforts on unifying it to create consistency across the U.S. This would break down barriers for interstate practice and telehealth and variations in licensure requirements and all of that. It's the goal, but it takes time to get everyone on the same page. This is often how a lot of laws happen. They usually happen at the state level. And when all of the states or a majority of the states are on board, then we start to talk about it at the federal level. Now, at this point, you might be saying, but Jess, we already had that before. Before states started licensure, right? We have the RD credential, which is nationwide and standardized. Why can't we just use that and forget about this licensure thing? You might have a point. It seems like we may very well have taken a shortcut to the counseling profession's end goal since we started with registration and national standardization. And now it almost feels like we're moving backward with this state licensure. 
But what was the cost? We let a company control our title. Now, maybe that's not much different from letting the state or the federal government control our title, but I mean, someone has to control it, right? I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't know how many times I can say this in this podcast episode, but I can't help but wonder if we would still be dealing with the red tape of this whole credential misuse debacle if our national organization didn't control our title, but rather the government did. On the flip side, if we didn't have this red tape, we'd likely have other red tape. And here's where we get to the root of it all. You have to choose your battles. I'm currently reading and I'm going to curse here. So if you have kids listening, I'm buying you some time to hit pause and fast forward like 60 to 90 seconds because I actually think this is the first time I've cursed on this show. Um, So if you want to avoid it, now's your opportunity. Anyway, I'm reading the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I have my thoughts on it, but basically we have to stop giving a fuck about everything and start giving a fuck about things that actually matter. In other words, we have to choose our battles. And I know dietitians want to care about everything. It's the passion in us, but we can't care about everything. So are we going to choose to care about this? Are we going to choose to try to fight for a world in which we can list the letters RD or RDN in our business name? Are we going to choose to fight for that, even if it means potentially more red tape in areas like interstate practice or latent consequences that we can't even currently anticipate? Maybe. Currently, I'm looking more into it. I'm certainly frustrated by the uh, contradictions in the current policy and will be advocating for more uh, clarity that way. But I haven't decided if ultimately this is a battle I'm going to fight because I haven't figured out how much of an issue it really is, again, until they clarify it for us. Then it's an issue. And to be certain, this lack of transparency and the financial consequences that will have on many dietitians who have already incorporated their credentials into their business or logo, that's a problem. And enforcing some obscure policy the academy doesn't communicate properly is unethical in and of itself. And I will pretty much always step up and speak out when ethics are involved. But maybe you or I or we decide there's larger fish to fry. Maybe there are other causes we want to devote our time and energy to learning about and advocating for. We will burn out, or at the very least, live very stressed out, high-strung, and angry lives if we choose to get riled up over every little thing. I'm not here to tell you what to fight for, but I am here to remind you that you're going to have to choose, and that you cannot fight for it all. Look, the Academy consistently disappoints me. I wish it didn't. I want to like it. I've always been adamant about change from within and staying involved to try to be the change I wanted to see in the organization and all of that motivational stuff. But they make it hard. Academy reps, if you're listening to this, you make it really hard. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, there are two things that you can do that dramatically help to support the show. 
First, leave a quick rating and or review on your podcast listening app of choice, which really helps new listeners find the show. Second, sharing this episode with a dietitian friend can also go a long way in spreading the anti-hustle message to dietitians far and wide. And speaking of supporting one another, even though I'm on maternity leave right now, that doesn't mean this podcast is your only way of receiving support. On my website, you can find a host of resources from free workbooks and journals that will opt you into my monthly newsletter support to a whole library of recorded courses and classes, many of which are approved for CEUs by the CDR. Check out everything I have to offer on my website at www.empoweringdietitians.com.